Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we are speaking with Alvaro Vasselli, who is the CEO at Skydex Technologies. Alvaro, it's great to have you on the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, Ben. So Alvaro's company is fascinating. I mean, I I love the tagline that you guys have, protecting people and things that matter. Um, Skydex is a global leader in advanced impact mitigation and energy absorption solutions. What that means to the layman out there or to most people is that they do things like armored vehicles, bomb suits, helmets, body protection, running shoes, wall padding, all those things that kind of keep us humans ticking, basically. Yeah. And so it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to go through more about Skydex because what a what an interesting um, industry that you guys uh, operate in. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your career today. Okay. Uh, so my name is Alvaro Vazelli. I, I was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, Sao Paulo is a big place, as you know, about 20 million people. Uh, I uh, went to school for engineering. Uh, graduated as a mechanical and production engineer, uh, but very quickly I realized that uh, I enjoy the business side of it more than the technical part. So I did my MBA in marketing and I started my career uh, with a large company, Dow, which is one of the global leaders in plastics uh, and advanced materials. So really had my school uh, over there uh, for six, seven years. And then I had a, a very interesting uh, opportunity to leave Dow and join Arco, the, the chemical arm of Atlantic Richfield, which is a U.S.-based company, but was trying to start the business in South America, uh, in Brazil. So uh, I was part of that small team that basically started the business for them in, in South America, which was an amazing experience, kind of a startup backed by a much larger company in the U.S. And uh, for a few years, we built a very nice business. We went from zero to 100 million uh, in little over three years. Uh, and uh, basically, the headquarters here invited me to come to the U.S. as an expat to be part of a, a business development, market development uh, group that was thinking about future applications for certain types of materials, advanced materials. And and I came, you know, my wife and I came. Uh, I had my my older son, which is now 26. He was uh, eight months at the time. Uh, we all came to the U.S. with the expectation to stay here for two, three years. And uh, 25 years later, here we are, right? Uh, so that was the beginning of uh, my career. Then in the U.S., I ended up, uh, you know, moving from, you know, large companies to mid-sized companies, publicly traded, private equity owned, VC, even uh, starting my my own company. And I think all these combinations uh, of, of experiences uh, was a really good fit for the position that I have uh, now with Skydex, helping the company grow and move to the next level. So hopefully that's uh, 
that's a good yeah, background I mean, for it's, you. It's a, it's a great background. And, and um, I, I remember actually several years ago now, I, I spent a good chunk of my career working for large marketing groups. And I, I do remember very fondly giving a marketing presentation in Sao Paulo, probably one of the best um one of the best marketing conferences I ever attended, they, they did it in a way where they divided the session between um, you'd speak during the day to students. Uh-huh. And then at night you would speak to professionals in the industry. And so it was, uh, it was just very nicely done. I love the idea that it was sh- kind of giving back to the students and then also kind of like a, almost like a, pro- a proper awards festival with the professionals. So uh, you clearly and, and clearly, I mean, over the last decade, some of the best marketing thinking has come from Brazil by far and away. So, um, yeah, but, no, absolutely. What do you so, remember the what What do you remember the most from Brazil? Um, <laughs> I have a funny story, but uh, <laughs> I think we'll, I'll keep that for a, another day, Alvaro. You and I can chat about that, but. Um, I I do remember one of the things, and it is related to your business a little bit, I suppose, but um, which is that um, I I my host said uh, basically when we were getting into his car, he said, um, "Listen, um, give me your give give me your your suitcase or give me your uh, you know my." my briefcase or my bag at the time. And I said, Oh, no, no, no. Being an American, I thought I was kind of being polite, kind of declining and saying, Oh, no, no, I'll just hold this on my on my uh, lap. And he got very angry. And I remember he he was like, No, 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 you have to give it to me, you're going to put us at risk. And I was like, what do you (laughs) and the idea that obviously that, um, you know, there were parts of Sao Paulo that if, if they saw a bag from the window, that maybe they would, you know, smash your window. I, I, I just, it was kind of one of those cultural uh, language moments that I, I do remember very, very distinctly. But I remember the food being spectacular. The people were yeah. so, so smart and so creative. I mean, I think the, the level of creativity was just unbelievably impressive. I always ask that question when somebody went to Brazil, even for yeah. a short period of time, what do you remember the most? And 90% of the time they say the food and the people. So you're right. Yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, those were the positive things. And I mean, I, I just, that, that cultural thing was kind of one of those moments. The, 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 the kind of glamorous thing was that flying down um, just based on total serendipity, I sat next to Naomi Campbell, the professional okay, uh, yeah. fashion model. So, model, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably you know one of those brushes where you, you you talk to somebody famous. So that was kind of an interesting moment for me. But but listen, I mean, so, so you've done a lot of businesses and you kind of moved your moved, moved forward, and now you're at Skydex, and you guys are really obviously pushing and taking this thing forward. Tell me a little bit more about where you guys are as a business and and how you're taking it to the next level. Sure, we're we're setting the foundation then to for growth. I mean, the company has been. Uh, through ups and downs over the years, uh, initially very, very much focused on the defense part of the business, particularly in one application for armor vehicles where the material, and I'll talk about the material later, but the material basically goes in the floor of vehicles to protect the troops from IEDs that are you know, exploding under the vehicle. So that material basically is between uh, uh, 
a troop, uh, the soldier getting getting killed or or badly injured. So, and the material really improves the chances of people getting out of that situation uh, very very well. Uh, uh, but it was extremely focused on that. And then obviously when conflict subsided uh, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, the demand really dropped. So the company started developing a lot of different applications, a lot of focus on engineering and technology, uh, not so much in commercializing those technologies. So what I'm doing now uh, and have been doing for the last couple of years uh, is really to set the foundation for growth with a strategy that is focused on diversifying uh, the product portfolio into different sectors, leveraging all the learnings from the initial sectors where we were very successful into different sectors, expanding internationally, very important for us. There is a high level of recognition of our brand and our technologies, but we're not really maximizing that in international markets. And thirdly, uh, increasing the the output from the company, from, from the manufacturing of uh, internal manufacturing. Uh, a lot of what we've done in the early years was contract manufacturing, uh, and we own the technology. We own basically the brains of the technologies here, but we weren't manufacturing internally. And we started doing that a few years ago, and we are now continuing to grow. And this year, actually, the majority of our uh, production will be made internally. So, uh, so that's really where we are. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, putting the right team together in the right roles with the right level of responsibility. So I, I'm very, very focused on the team. Uh, that's something that we've put a lot of attention over the last uh, several months. So Alvaro, tell us a little bit about the technology, uh, the specific technology. Yeah. So uh, if you think about, we are between life and death. <laughs> we, we, we are uh, uh, a group of uh, technologies that is basically manipulating uh, a certain type of advanced material with geometries that are specifically designed to mitigate impact, all kinds of impacts. So if you think about like a bomb going under, going out over, uh, under a vehicle or uh, an individual that is wearing a, a bomb suit that wants to disarm a bomb or uh, somebody that is uh, running with, you know, uh, running shoes that takes thousands of impacts. So anything that you believe requires impact mitigation, whether it's a, you know, a very hard impact, like the impact of a bullet or a bomb or repetitive impacts, like if you're running uh, or if you are skiing and if you hit your head somewhere. So anything that requires protection to your body, uh, the technology plays a key role on that. And, and, and the secret sauce really is the ability for us to understand that particular situation, the impact situation, translate that into uh, a technology that is really a combination of the material and the geometry. And it's very, very customized to every situation. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I remember a couple of years ago that there was uh, obviously a lot of focus on uh, on concussions in the and in the NFL, and and certainly that's a that's an impact industry. So maybe maybe that's an opportunity for you guys in in, in the future uh, to to enter. Um, so so tell me in in all of those sectors that you're you're pushing into, um, what are the ones that are really embracing this? Uh, embracing and, and moving forward fast. 
Well, certainly, <clears throat> certainly uh, on the defense part of the business, uh, you know, there is recognition about the value of the technology and it's just exposing that to, to more people. Uh, you know, the presence that we have in armored vehicles and in the in boats uh, for, uh, uh, you know, the Marine and the Navy, all of that, that is well known. All we need is to expand to different geographies. One area that even though we've been very successful in the past is the, the helmet area for, for defense as well, ballistic helmets. And that's an area that uh, hasn't really evolved a lot over the last few decades. But now there's some new technology and we're partnering with different people that uh, can build the helmets in a different way because the way helmets used to be 30 years ago, 40 years ago, is much different than what they need to be today with all the gear that goes into uh, somebody's head. So uh, that's an area that we started working a couple of years ago. It's getting a lot of traction. It's getting a lot of attention. We're building partnerships uh, with complementary technology so that we can maximize the value of, of, of our technology. And we have you know, great channels to market for that. So that's an area that is going really well. Uh, I think sports is beginning to get a lot of attention. Uh, you know, shoe soles, insoles, uh, you know, specific materials that will protect your body from impact, repetitive impact is getting a lot of attention. Uh, and there are some other markets, too, that are beginning to uh, look for unique ways to differentiate their product line, like uh, mattresses, for instance, uh, which is an area that I have some some background in my prior uh, companies. Uh, it, it's getting a lot of attention because it's a material that uh, gives a lot of a lot of different benefits to the user. So we're excited about all these, yeah, but ultimately no, I, I, expanding I, to sectors and international is yeah. Is I can I can, I can see how it's relevant. It's one of those ones that if we sat here, we, we, we there's there's a relevance in almost every industry that you can you can think of uh, clearly. But it, it yeah. sounds to me also that the business has been working and expanding in a lot of areas. One is obviously the manufacture of things and. That leads into kind of a great question on on how you guys have rethought the business during during the last you know twelve to eighteen months as we've been going through this 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 moment this pandemic. Yeah, I think the the big challenge for us during the pandemic was the international expansion. As you know, uh, different countries got hit pretty hard, and still. Uh, are facing a lot of challenges. Uh, and, and as I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, Ben, part of our strategy is to grow internationally. So doing that during the pandemic has been a challenge. Uh, the inability to meet face-to-face -face has been a big challenge. So uh, from, from, from the strategy standpoint, you know, we haven't really changed the strategy, but I think we became a lot more nimble in the way we communicate with different customers or prospects. And our team really had to come together and, and change the way we do things. So we had to work partially remotely. We went remotely in the beginning, we went hybrid. So the way to run projects and the way we interact with each other changed quite a bit. So I would say uh, not a lot of change from the strategy, external strategy, but internally we became a lot more flexible, a lot more uh, you know, open to, to different ideas and, and, and really let the team work their best, uh, whatever they felt comfortable with. In, in in some cases, people would work from home. In some cases, they would come here to the lab and and and, and work from here. Uh, but we basically uh, became 
extremely flexible uh, to be able to keep the creativity and innovation going. Yeah, I, 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 I love the fact that you were able to find a, a way to keep manufacturing as well as also, also offer the, the work flexibility. I was curious because one of the things that I'm still noticing here in the, in, in the U.S., is that there still seems to be such massive shortages in so many different industries. Um, you know, um, my, I, I tried to purchase a, a couch the other day and they said that <laughs> the first time I could get a couch was some, sometime in November. And I, I, it just hit me that there must be massive supply chain challenges that companies must have been having to think about. Um, how did that, did that impact you guys? It did, uh, particularly this year uh, in January, uh, you know, with the Texas freeze, uh, you know, a lot of things that are ultimately in the plastics type of business, a lot of different raw materials got, uh, you know, in shortage and allocation. So uh, we have been impacted that way, which ultimately impacts our ability to turn around quickly and, and supply our customers. So, uh in, in addition to pricing, uh, cost increases and things like that. But the way the way we ended up do, dealing with the situation, Bent, is really to think about our customers first and uh, understanding that we had to take some risks and hedge a little bit and be able to uh, get more raw material when we could, uh, even before demand, uh, to, to be able to react in a timely manner. So the way we did it is to take some risks, uh, calculated risks, uh, buy more than we needed and be able to respond quickly to our customers when they place orders with us. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of companies now are kind of trying to make adjustments for the future and how they manage that, which I think is really, really interesting. The, the international element is quite an important one to mention, Alvaro, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone who lives kind of a strangely international life with half of my family living overseas and, and, and me being here in the U.S. And um, I, I, I definitely think it still needs to be noted is that clearly the pandemic is, is definitely not over in many parts of the world. And, um, and certainly that's going to still be slow. So do you see that, foresee that as being kind of a continued issue and something you guys are thinking about throughout the rest of 2021? Yeah, it's definitely impacting us. Uh, I, I would say we underestimated that uh, in the beginning. Uh, we thought, you know, the pandemic was 2020 and then 2021, new life, let's go. Uh, and certainly we are much, much better here in the U.S., but in, in international, you know, several countries uh, kept uh, their borders closed, which became a challenge. So, you know, UK, we have we have several people in the UK. We have very uh, large projects going on in India right now, in Egypt, uh, in Europe, in in general, and and it has been very difficult to advance those projects. Now, the good news is that we have representation there, which means it's easier for people to move around, but definitely not normal business. Um, so I think uh, the fact that we early on, even before the pandemic, we invested in having local presence as part of our international expansion strategy, uh, that helped. Uh, but I, I think that to your to back to your question, I think uh, we're, we're going to continue to experience delays throughout 2021. 
Yeah, no, I can I can imagine. Well, let's change gears slightly and just talk about um, your you and, and your your how you 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 fared during the pandemic. Um, how did you find uh, working during that period, and and what kinds of challenges and things did you come across, and how did you how do you think it have you evolved? Uh, I think we're always learning, right? I, yeah. I'm very open to learning new ways and uh, and experimenting. To me, my focus was on the team. You know how I mean. At the end of the day, this business can only be successful if the team is successful. Uh, I'm I've always been a, a supporter of finding the right combination of the right people for the right roles with the the right motivations, including their personal motivations. And that's something that I started doing from the very beginning when I joined the company is to identify the individuals and make sure they're playing the best roles possible for the company and for themselves. So I think during the pandemic, it was uh, it was trying to adjust to that uh, because everyone faces their own individual uh, challenges with their families and 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 uh, and with their parts of their responsibilities with the business. So for me, it was. Uh, uh, the intentionality of being very aware and sensitive to their needs and being very flexible and be able to basically flex my execution plan to adapt to the to the, to the new way of uh, you know facing the pandemic so it was more like a, uh, flexing my own management style and putting the focus on the people that are doing the work they're doing the magic so that they're performing at their best. Uh, and that's where I focused on. And, and I, I yeah, think it worked so, really well yeah, for us. So really kind of highlighting the talent and how you manage the, the this new kind of approach, I would say, with talent as, as you have to be aware of, of how they're living and the challenges that they're facing, which is which is excellent. So so I mean, as as we you know, in the U.S., I think we're at a moment where there's a little bit of excitement that we're kind of perhaps coming out of this pandemic. And um, <laughs> I, I still don't know when to wear a mask or when not to wear a mask anymore. You know, half the time I go into places and there are no masks and other times everyone's still wearing a mask. So it is yeah. what it is. But but um, tell me a little bit about how Skydex is thinking about the next next year, 18 months. We're really excited because, I mean, since we started, uh, like I said, despite all the challenges, you know, we have been building the team. We have been building our pipeline of opportunities in a very disciplined way. Uh, you know, I brought new leadership to the company on the sales side and, and, and a very good methodology about building the pipeline of opportunities. And, and our sales cycle is pretty long. They're 12, 18 months, sometimes even longer than that. So it's when you see, uh, you know, the balance of 2021 and 2022 and beyond, we are already mapping out the opportunities that are going to bring growth to the company. And, and, and we have our methodology to gauge the, uh, you know, the probability of success for those opportunities. So uh, building the team and, and, and being the, building the different uh, elements of the company, like engineering, manufacturing to uh, be able to absorb that and, and digest that potential growth is pretty exciting. So uh, I think we can we have visibility to that growth right now. I'm not saying it's easy <clears throat> to execute on, 
but we're putting the right people in place, uh, the right manpower to digest all that. So we're very excited about the future. Yeah, and, and I can see that it, it sounds to me as I listen to you talk that a lot of the elements that um, are going to be key for more scaled growth for you guys uh, were put in place. And so you have a lot of those building blocks ready to go. And that's exciting. And certainly I love the fact that you're exploring all of these different markets, because when I think of the, 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 the space that Skydex plays in, as I, as I mentioned up front, there's, no, there, there's almost no industry that's not thinking of, of, secure, of, of safety, safety and, protection, you know, yep. and protection. So it's an incredible, an incredible market for you guys to explore and expand into. Alvaro, thank you so much for being on Uncaged today. Um, we've been speaking to Alvaro Vaselli. He's the president and CEO of Skydex, which is the global leader in advanced impact mitigation and energy absorption. Um, armored vehicles, bomb suits, helmets, body protection, uh, running shoes, wall padding. I, I, I tell you, I think that uh, you, uh, you're going to have to send me a full list, Alvaro, of all, of all the products <laughs> that you guys make. Um, but if someone wanted to find uh, out more of what Skydex is up to and what you're up to, where, where can they find you? I think the website is the best, www.skydex.com. Uh, you have a whole picture of all the applications that the material works in. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on Uncaged today. Uh, we've been speaking to Alvaro Vaselli, CEO at Skydex Technologies, um, and I look forward to hearing more about uh, how you guys are evolving in the future. Thanks, Jeff. It was great to talk to you. Take care.